Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. First Kings chapter number 18 tonight. First Kings chapter number 18 going to be reading a few verses of scripture from there we will also be reading from James chapter number five James chapter number five amen covered so much ground last week in retrospect I looked back upon it and I thought man I might have been choking a hungry hungry hippo there you know so uh, I'm going to slow down here a little bit this evening and James first Kings 18 James chapter number five 40 the 41st verse starting at first Kings 18 and Elijah said unto Ahab Get thee up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. James 5, verse number 18. The Bible says, and he prayed again. This is speaking of Elijah called Elias in the New Testament scripture and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit amen this evening my subject matter for the next few moments of Elijah part five is this pray again pray again hallelujah let's pray together if you will Lord God I come to you this evening and I'm asking God for your help Lord in this service tonight I pray, O oh Lord, our minds and our hearts, it's, God, very easy to come in, Father, on a Wednesday night and disconnect because we have went halfway through our work weeks. I pray, O oh Lord, today, God, that we be attentive, Lord, to your word. God, and understand whatever is shared here, God, could be for the benefit of our life. I pray, O oh Master, they touch my heart and my mind. God, mark any air from my mouth. I pray, O oh Lord, your word is already anointed. I pray, God, this vessel of clay, Lord, will be anointed tonight. God, as I share this precious word, God, you have exalted your word above your name. And so we understand the significance of that, Lord, God, for our lives. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated this evening. In the lovely name of the Lord. Thus far, throughout this study, we have focused a lot on this idea of Elijah being sensitive to the voice of the Lord. We have seen on several occasions that the voice or the word of the Lord has come to him and he has heard that voice. He has responded to that voice. He has not hesitated in his response. So up to this point in time, we have been very focused upon him hearing God, upon him hearing the voice of the Lord. We have even reiterated how his obedience always seemed to follow after he had heard the word of the Lord and that word came to him. And no doubt his ability to, thank you, Bishop, his ability to recognize the voice of the Lord partly comes, I believe, from his practice of talking to God. You get familiar with 
someone's voice by having conversation with them, by talking to them, by being around them or in a distance where you can hear their voice. So I believe that he can recognize and has a quick ability to know that it's the voice of the Lord because he has practiced having conversation with God, or talking with God. Times, might I say, that he has spent in prayer prior to his debut and during his Cherith and Zarephath experiences. The time he spent in prayer with God made him sensitive then to the voice of the Lord. Amen. But I think what is important tonight, if I could just switch tracks a little bit, since our focus has been upon his sensitivity to the voice of God and him hearing the voice of God, and no doubt his prayer uh, bore that in him. Also, I believe, though, through that same conversation and that prayer and that talk that he would have with God, not only would he become sensitive to the voice of God, but God would become familiar with his voice. I think that's absolutely necessary to understand because whenever we get to a place that we can get familiar with God's voice, there's a good chance in the same episode that he is getting familiar with our voice. And I guarantee you tonight that as it is important to know his voice, it's just as important for him to know your voice. Because a lot of times, we oft times, we, we strain and we're, we're eager to know the voice of the Lord. Everybody wants to know that. I, if I just knew what the, what the voice or the word of the Lord was for my life. Well, I'll give you a secret tonight. The secret in you knowing the voice of the Lord is you acquainting Him with your voice. Amen. Our voice and our, our words through prayer. So, so we see Elijah. He knew the voice of the Lord. God says, go to Jer Cherith. He goes. God says, go to Zarephath. He goes. God says, go show yourself to Ahab. He does, etc. So on and so forth. Amen. But the Bible speaks that Elijah prayed on several occasions. If I might say it like this, Elijah through his prayer was making his voice known unto God. And we read that he prayed that the heavens might be shut up in James 5, 17. And they were. He prayed that a dead boy might be revived and his soul might come into, back into him for the widow woman. And he did. He prayed on Mount Carmel in, in essence that the Lord would be made known that he was God by virtue of there being fire sent. And there was fire sent. Now he's praying for an opening of the heavens. And what happens in our scripture here this evening is that God opens the heavens and he sends down rain. So he knows the voice of the Lord because he has made his voice known unto the Lord. I, want, I hope you understand this tonight. So as I'm searching and looking for the will of God or the word of God, a good venue or way that I can be more acquainted with that is me acquainting him with who I am and who my voice is and what my prayer and what my utterance is unto God. Amen. They tell us, I remember as we were expecting the first child and you read uh, any book you can get your hand on, although none of them is a manual for your child. So they speak a lot of times in generalities. There's not a manual for either of my children. Amen. The word of the Lord is the closest thing. 
I get a lot of comfort from Proverbs from what it says concerning the rearing of children. But there are books that recommend many times that parents, they should talk to their child while he or she is still yet being formed in the womb. You talk to them, sing to them, read them bedtime stories. Because in doing so, they will recognize that parent's voice. Even after birth, they will. I'll never forget, personally, as a father, I talked to my baby girl whenever she was still yet in the womb. Talked to her just as though she was sitting right there on the bed next to my wife. And I will not forget whenever she was born and they were cleaning her up over there and measuring her. And she was crying. And all of a sudden, I just said, Mariah. And her head turned in my direction because I had talked to her before she had ever came out of the womb and she recognized my voice. I dare to say, you know, an intentional parent will talk to the child because they really, I know the child will pick up on your voice because you're around that mother and so on and so forth. They'll, they'll pick up on it, but really being intentional about talking to the kid before it's ever born, intentional parent will talk to the child. I wanted to do that because I wanted her to know my voice. I wanted her to know that it was different from anybody else's voice that whenever I spoke, she knew who that was. And so that's the reason why I did that. I wanted her to know my voice. Now, some people, men, maybe more particularly more so than women, might chalk it up, that's just a bunch of stupidity. Well, I didn't. didn't think it was stupid at all because the difference, I believe, is illustrated by the child then being more familiar with a voice that it talked to on a daily basis than one who didn't just expected them to pick up on it see sometimes I think in our Christian walk we're like that a little bit with the Lord I'm not not making him a child but I'm trying to make a parallel here that we just want him to pick up on our voice just in our daily life just pick up on my voice so that whenever I'm really in a need and I go to prayer that God you'll, you'll, you'll know it's me you want him to know it's you, then intentionally talk to him on a daily means so that he knows, amen, the Bible says there are many voices, but none of them are without significance in Corinthian scripture. Let it be known then that whenever that child cries out, I know that's a Fred McGee right now. I know where he lives. I know what his occupation is, and I know what his need is. There's no question. But why? Because he talks to me every, 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 every day. Amen. Oh, I just feel the Holy Ghost came in here. I would dare to say, and I've never done, I've never done a survey on this, but based upon the principles of God's word, I would dare to say that the people that have more difficulty with hearing the word from God for themselves are the ones that have not posed their own voice to the Lord as much as they should have. Psalms 55 and verse 17, David, in the Psalms, he says, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he, God, shall hear my voice David's saying I'm praying I'm making some supplication 
I'm giving some thanksgiving. He's speaking that he's doing it three times a day, which was the custom for them. He says, I'm doing this daily at three times a day. Daily, I'm crying, I'm praying, supplication, thanksgiving. Why? Because he shall hear my voice. You know, that's the reason why David and other portions of Scripture could say, and in my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Why? Because David made it a daily practice to familiarize the Lord with him. His voice. Amen. John 10, 27, the scripture says, Jesus writing and speaking, he said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. My question this evening, who hears the voice of God? My sheep. The people who hear the voice of God are those that he accounts as his sheep. Because his sheep depend on him for pastures to graze in. His sheep depend upon him for balm to heal their wounds. His sheep are in a close distance or proximity to their Shepherd, they will hear his voice. Who will? His sheep. <laughs> but on the flip side of the coin, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. <laughs> As they know the shepherd's voice, so likewise the shepherd knows his sheep and their voice. That's no big deal, right? Wrong. It is a big deal to know his voice and more importantly for him to know us or know our voice. How important is it? I'll tell you how important it is I, I, that I am known of the Lord, that he knows me, that he knows my voice because whenever we start painting the picture of him not knowing our voice, let's put that background up and it will reveal how important it is then for him to know our voice and know us in Matthew 7 23 uh, the writing of scripture is like this he spoke of how many that they will say Lord Lord and they won't be able to enter in they've done this in this name and that in his name and so on and so forth and he said and then will I profess unto them I never knew you I never knew you depart from me ye that work iniquity I never knew you how important is it then that he knows me and is acquainted with my voice this is how important it is because the flip side of him not knowing my voice and not knowing me is a vast difference between him knowing me and he knows those who are his sheep see it's a two way street when you know the voice of God you can rest assured that he knows your voice and it goes either way. If he knows your voice, you're going to be able to hear his voice. And if you're able to hear his voice, no, well, it's probably because you familiarize him with yours. That makes sense this evening. Just a nod would do. So there's value in being known by the Lord. Him being acquainted with our voice. Because there's a vast difference whenever he doesn't know me. So understand, Elijah was sensitive at Cherith. He was sensitive at Zarephath. 
he, he, he's honing the sensitivity that he has to the voice of the Lord. But all the while, in doing that, in his prayers and his supplication and allegiance to God, he's making sure his own voice is being made unmistakable in the ears of the Lord. Another flavor, I might call it, another flavor, we've talked about different aspects of his life, but another flavor of Elijah's life, theme even if you wish to call it, can be caught in those first four words of James 5, 18. It is the secret to him knowing God and being known by God. It is, and he prayed again. And he prayed again. The second prayer that James 5, 18 is speaking about is the prayer that opened the heavens. Last week we took a little, a little trip through some verses and seen where Elijah prayed in public. He prayed on Mount Carmel. He prayed in public so that God would vindicate his name and vindicate that Elijah was his servant and everything he had done up to this point was sanctioned by God. Elijah never asked God directly for fire. He just said, Lord, let these people know that you are God. And so I guess whenever he said, whenever God answers by fire, let him be God in an indirect way, he was asking for some fire to fall because Elijah understood the power that's in prayer. Amen. And their power in prayer... Amen. I don't want you to get too uptight, so I'll, I'll just lighten the low, mo, uh, atmosphere here just for a moment. said, there was a pastor who had a parrot. All the parrot would say was, let's pray, let's pray. The pastor tried to teach him to say other things, but to no avail. He learned that one of his deacons had a parrot. That parrot would only say, let's kiss, let's kiss. So the pastor decided to invite the deacon and his parrot over to his house. When the deacon arrived, they put the parrots into the same cage to see what would happen. The deacon's parrot said, let's kiss, let's kiss. The pastor's parrot said, thank you, Lord, my prayers have been answered. There's power. There's power in prayer. But with that statement, I want to go a little further. Because we say there's power in prayer. If we could take maybe that known statement and go a little bit further and say that the power of prayer is seen in the object or the motive of the prayer rather than the prayer itself. My reason for stating that is because on Mount Carmel, there were prayers made by two different groups of people. There were prayers, a prayer uttered by Elijah. There were prayers uttered by the prophets of Baal. Quite long and intensive acts took place with the prophets of Baal. They were praying. Baal did not hear the words of the prophets of Baal, but God heard the prayer of Elijah. Amen. And no doubt the prophets of Baal, their prayer was not answered because they prayed to the wrong God 
their object of prayer was incorrect. Their motive even behind their prayer was incorrect. Because I want you to understand that the power of prayer is what the object of your prayer is. Amen. A lot of times we say, boy, if we could just get 50,000 people praying. It's not just in the praying. It's what the object of those 50,000 people are praying about. Hear me now. Because if you get, get 49,000 of them that's praying and their motive and their object is incorrect, what good is that? The power is what is the object of prayer. Is it God? Is it the Lord? What is the motive of their prayer? Pray as, pray as hard as the other prophets of Baal wanted to. They prayed hard, very repetitious, spent a lot of time there. If we're going to denote the power of prayer being how much time you spend, if that's solely what it's based upon, no, the power is in the object of your prayer, the motive of your prayer. 1 Kings 18, 41. If we can go back to that, who's up there tonight? Brother Tyler. The Bible says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. There had just been a slaughtering of the prophets. And now he's telling Ahab, go and get up. Said, There's a sound of abundance of rain. And Elijah seemed to say that with confidence. He said that as though there was no question in his mind that there is a sound of abundance of rain. He was able to say that as confidently as he did because he knew God kept his word. He knew God was a man of his word. And then secondly, he knew that personally he had kept the condition of the promise that God had spoken in the first verse of this same chapter. Whenever the Lord spoke to him and said, if you go show yourself unto Ahab, in verse number 1, 1 Kings 18, 1, he said, if you go show thyself unto Ahab, he says, I will send rain upon the earth. So he knew he had met the condition of the promise. I've shown myself unto Ahab, so God is going to send the rain. Because this is the condition he has put upon the promise. Not only that, God is a man of his word. Amen. So here, I've, I've kept what responsibility of the promise is mine. I've shown myself unto God. Now I'm just going to depend upon God to keep his. I've fulfilled step one. So now it's just up to God to keep track of step number two. And yet, though, after this is said and done, we still see... Elijah goes back to a good old thing in his life called prayer. He prays again. Although he keeps the condition to the promise, the Lord has uttered a promise, we still him finding himself face down praying about what God has promised. God already said, keep this condition, I'll send the rain. He already kept the condition, but he still goes to God in prayer about the promise. It's not uncommon. There's a, there's a series of verses in Ezekiel 36. We're not reading these tonight, but for your perusal. In Ezekiel 36, 24 through 36, there's a series of verses right there that it seems like just one after another, the Lord is promising some things. It is promise after promise. He's telling the people that he will cleanse them. He is telling them that he'll put his spirit in them. 
He's telling them that he will save them. He's telling them that uh, he'll multiply the fruit of their trees and increase the grain of their fields. He's, I mean, he is lading them down with some promises, et cetera, et cetera. He, he gives all types of promises, yet immediately following this laundry list of promises that God is giving to them, we read in Ezekiel 36 and verse number 37, if I submitted it this evening, Ezekiel 36 and verse 37, thus saith the Lord God, after all this list of promises, thus saith the Lord Lord God, I will yet for this, for everything I've mentioned, for all these promises, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. In other words, what is he saying? He's saying, there is, I've told them all these promises, but my people still going to come and they're going to ask and pray for me to do what I promised. Yeah. Can I say there's nothing wrong with that as a matter of fact that I see a lot of admonishment through Scripture that we should do that. Amen. That after God relays a promise in our life, even if he has a condition set with it, and we've met the condition, rather than just, well, yeah, he's going to come through, there's nothing wrong with praying to him about what he's promised. Amen. I encourage us to pray to God about what he has promised in our lives. So he gave all these promises. He said, Israel's going to come and ask me and pray about these promises that I have given them. Because doing this, this is what asking according to God's will is all about. When you pray to God about promises he's already given you, that is what praying according to his will is all about. He's already, he's already included, in you, included you in on what his will is because he's given you a promise. I'm going to do this in your life. Then you know what his will is. I'm going to do this in your life. So when you go to God, you're being absolutely biblical. When you go to God and start praying to him about what he promised, you're praying according to his will. And the Bible says in 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, speaking of God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Mm. I love it whenever I'm doing something that I know counts. You know what I'm saying? You ever done some things sometimes, whether it be, I mean, you know he didn't have to be spiritual just for anybody, and you wondered if it really counted for anything? Isn't it nice to know that you do some things sometimes that counts? I see Elijah, man, I'm glad I'm doing something I know that counts because I already know what his will is, so I'm praying about something that's already his will. And if I do all this and ask according to his will, he hears me. And if he hears me, he gets more familiar with my voice. And if he gets more familiar with my voice in this conversation, I get more familiar with his voice. Let me tell you, folks, if for no other reason you need to pray according to his will or pray about the promises God has spoken in your life, because when you do, he gets familiar with your voice. And the next time you pray, he's going to say, Paul Robert McGee. <laughs> That's what's in it for you. But it doesn't just go with pray, asking anything according to his will. It's it's John 14 as well. In verses 13 and 14. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what we need to understand this evening, see, there's a large, I think, misunderstanding. Pray your prayer and just slap in Jesus' name on it. I think that was even a, a, a fault of New Testament believers. We read of it. They were just using the name without being in relationship with who the name belonged to because that's where the real power is. Because as we read in Matthew, many did a lot of things in his name. But whenever a day came, he said, I never knew you. He said, you used my name. And yeah, there's power in that within itself. He said, but you were never in relationship with the one's name you were using. We have went down this road before. You ever had somebody, you know, use your name and you never gave them no authority, never gave them no leadway and say, you go tell them that I sent you. And they went down there and said, so-and-so sent me just because you had some clout maybe in that place or area. You know what I'm talking about? I don't like that. I don't know about anybody. If I find out, I hate that. If they said, I told you the story before. You remember? You don't remember, do you? Pat does. He probably listened to that CD five times already. I'll tell it again just because I'm going bald, so that means I'm getting older. And uh, <laughs> it's the truth, folks. Someone, someone said it. It was my mom. Mm-hmm. Where's that one scripture in Proverbs I just read? No. <laughs> As I said before, we were at a conference in... Uh, and uh, there was someone, a pastor that came up to me of a, a really, a, a frankly, new home missions church. And they said, thank you so much for sending so-and-so. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, yeah. They, they called me and said that they knew, they knew you and you said to call us and we had revival with them. I said, well, I never told them that. I even didn't know who this so-and-so was. Didn't never even, I didn't know them or know of them. And, uh, I said, well, how did it go? I said, it was great. I said, okay, I sent them. <laughs> they knew I was joking, of course. But somebody using your name that they don't have no relationship with you. So, so people just, even in the biblical, they were just throwing around the name of Jesus. So you're coming to God in, in the name of Jesus Christ. But whenever you use the name of Jesus, you pray all this and you say, in Jesus' name. It's as a person that is operating like an ambassador who would go to another country and operate and do and function under the name of their president, a representative. So when you say, in Jesus' name, pray all this and we say, in Jesus' name, we are as an ambassador of Christ on the earth. I'm making this request as an ambassador of Jesus Christ on the earth. And in doing so, you better be doing it in accordance with the will of the one that you are representing. Amen? <laughs> you better be representing him well. So I'm saying... In Jesus' name. Not Paul McGee's name. That doesn't have any clout. I use Jesus' name. As an ambassador here on the earth, I'm making a request. 
as though in the name or in the role or in the representation of Jesus. 1 Kings 18, verse 42, and so Ahab, I wish this weather would make its mind up. He says, so Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. So we had this big contest on Mount Carmel. There's a slaughtering of, of some prophets. Uh, and now Elijah has told Ahab, and I believe this wholeheartedly, but if you look at the contrast between the reactions of Elijah and Ahab, they are very vast because Ahab, he goes up from this setting and he goes and eats and drinks. Goes out to the restaurant. And uh, Elijah, on the other hand, he goes up and he prays. Now, after everything that it took place against Baal and Asherah and Ahab and Jezebel, after everything taking place, the proper response for Ahab would have been on his face. But instead, he goes out to the restaurant. And really, you would think the proper response here for Elijah, the normal, you know, human being, would man be kicking up the shit, you know, just kicking up the lake, celebrating, throwing confetti because of victory that the Lord has brought. But Ahab goes to the restaurant, and Elijah goes to pray. He goes to seek the face of God. Look at Ahab. Ahab, this really begins to uh, point out how disconnected he is from the Lord how disconnected he is from spiritual things because the news that there is, a, the prophet said there's a sound of abundance of rain didn't seem to affect him so much. He went to the restaurant and he carried on with business as usual. Now you say, well, brother, pastor, he said, uh, Elijah just told him to get up and eat and drink. Let me tell you, I think Elijah said that to Ahab because he knew that that was the direction of his spirit anyway. Like a lot of prophets and pastors, they understand people do what people want to do, so you just go and do what you want to do. Amen. You go into the restaurant, I'm going to go pray. So he goes and he goes eats. So Elijah, look where Elijah goes. He goes back up to Mount Carmel. He goes back up to Mount Carmel where he had prepared an altar. He goes to this mount. He goes to the same mount where revelation took place. He goes to the same mount where victory occurred and happened on Mount Carmel. More importantly, he goes back to that place of the altar. So Elijah goes back there and he prays again. <laughs> he goes back there and he prays again. But this time it's not among the public eye. It's in private. Not everybody's watching now. Not everybody's lingering upon his every word. It's just him and the master. And he has a servant up there as well, but he's there praying there in private for God to send some rain. Look, if you will, at his posture. He cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. After he had his victory, here's his posture. After his revelation, after this great thing that's been accomplished, look at his posture. Listen to me tonight. Our posture after our victories will help strengthen our posture during our times of threatening defeat. 
hear me, write it down, put it in your brain. Our posture after victories will help strengthen our posture during times of threatening defeat. He cast himself down to the earth. He put his face between his knees. And F.B. Myers said it like this. He said, men who stand the straightest in the presence of sin bow the lowest in the presence of God. Let me elaborate a little bit more on this this evening. So here he is, he has it. Now this is this, this is not the everyday prayer position here, folks. Putting your face between your knees. I mean, it's, it's kind of like an all four position. I understand he didn't necessarily have to have his eyeballs back between his kneecaps. Unless he had some great agility, the old prophet did. But uh, his face was on the floor. His knees were on the floor. He put his face between his knees. Now, in my study, in, in this past few days, there's something I come to understand, that the position that the prophet was in was the birthing position in the Middle East culture of that day. Whew. The position that the prophet was in was the common position for giving birth in the Middle East culture of that day. Furthermore, it is often, even still yet today, recommended as the best birthing position for the birthing of a large baby. Mm -hmm. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this. Elijah says, I'm going up here to pray, and God said he's going to send the rain, and I'm just praying about this because this hasn't happened for three and a half years. So this is not a small matter. This isn't a big matter. So here he is in a position that was common to all the women, the people of that day, of the birthing position. He's about ready to birth something through prayer. And he says, what I'm about ready to birth is not something small. It's going to be something big. So I got to get poised in position just right. Hallelujah. And in private, out of the public eye, there is Elijah in a birthing position of prayer for something big. Hmm. Uh-huh. Furthermore, our posture before God will affect our posture before men. Posture before God will affect our posture before men. In other words, if we will bow before God in the society and the world that we live, we'll be able to stand among and before men. Just listen to me. For every soul, for every soul that has bowed before men somewhere in their history they have stood defiantly before God because your posture before God affects your posture before men Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was able to stand as the music was being played while everybody else bowed because somewhere in their closet their pastor Daniel had taught them you bow before God and if you'll bow before God in private you'll be able to stand before men in the public and everybody else that was bound was testifying one thing we're bound before men in public because we've stood defiantly before God in private we've not had no prayer amen bow before men you're standing against the Lord Felix was willing whenever his tenure had ended 
in the capacity that he served in Acts 24, Felix was willing, the Bible says, to shoot the Jews a pleasure. In other words, he did what they wanted, leaving Paul bound. Why did he do that? Because he didn't, he didn't bow before the Lord. But he bowed to men. Herod, the Bible says, for his very oath's sake and for the sakes of the people uh, which sat with him would take the head of John the Baptist. Why would he do that? Well, for the people's sake. He's bowing before men. Why? Because evidently he has been defiantly standing before God. He's not bowed there. We see that Pilate is willing to content the people and release Barabbas unto them and then deliver Jesus to scourging and after scourge for crucifixion. Why did he bow and consent to the people? Because he was defiant somewhere in the closet before God. Your posture with God will affect your posture before men. 1 Kings 18, verse 43 and 44. I'm trying to get to a close. Thank you, Bishop. Of course, on nights like tonight, I get up here early. So in reality, I got a lot of time. But I'm trying to be good I'd be good. I'm usually good to you folks. I really am. I don't belabor or take advantage usually of you. <clears throat> and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. God promised it. I've met the criteria. I've kept the condition. I've prayed to God there's nothing. And he said, go again seven times. It came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Elijah did, go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot, get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. Cloud size says, let me read it. Particularly, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And at that, Elijah tells the servant, go tell Ahab to prepare his chariot. Now, a lot of us would want to wait till there's some larger clouds, you know, cumulonimbus clouds, you know, maybe, and maybe even feel a little precipitation before we'd start, uh, start telling the old king he needs to get on the move. But Ahab says, oh, you just give me a cloud and it's like a man's hand. How in the world can you do that, Elijah? Because Elijah had already experienced how much meal a handful can supply. Whew! So he expects no less than from a cloud like a man's hand. Amen. <laughs> There's been a drought, though, for three and a half years. So here's the main obstacle that we've seen in the first verse, verse 43, the main obstacle that the man of God has to overcome with his servant, no doubt with all of the people around him. And that was this, the obstacle of history. Because three and a half years, there hasn't been rain. That's a great obstacle in a lot of our lives. It's our history, our past. The voices that come with history say this, well, it's not rained in years, Elijah. What makes you think it's going to rain now? The voice of history, the voice of the past. It says, well, this is the way it's always been. 
What makes you think it's going to change now? The voice of your history, the voice of your past. Amen. Some might even say, we're accustomed to famine. This is the way of life. Don't try to make us think we can feast now. This, this is the way we live. The voice of your history, the voice of the past. It's always been this way. It's always going to be that way. We've had, Elijah, we've had plenty of people through here that said and thought, well, you know, I believe it's going to rain. You know what? Nothing happened. Don't get our hopes up. <laughs> your history and your past will be a great obstacle to overcome. The servant says, there's nothing. There's nothing. That voice will come to you concerning your personal promises. There's nothing. There's nothing. But Elijah keeps with his face between his knees. He keeps in the birthing position because <laughs> he knows there's something big. And this is going to be a big baby. It might take a little while to push this honey out. <laughs> I'm going to stay right here. You say there's nothing? Hold on. Go back again. Go back again. In so much that he goes back seven times until he saw something. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm confident of this concerning Elijah. Beyond what his servant saw, Elijah was confident in what he had heard. He had heard a sound of abundance of rain. The Hebrew word translated sound in English literally means a sound produced by vocal cords. Hence, a voice. Elijah says, I heard a voice. of abundance of rain there's a scripture in Jeremiah 51 16 you could also find it in Jeremiah 10 but it states this concerning a voice in conjunction with rain and water it says when he speaking of God uttereth his voice there is a multitude of waters in the heavens and he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth he maketh lightnings with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasure it wasn't just a sound that he heard it was a voice that he heard and he can be postulated on his face and maybe not really too concerned about what the servant was saying by what he wasn't seeing because he had already heard a voice and he heard the voice because he had made his voice familiar to that voice someone hear me right now because he had been a man of prayer that just prayed once but prayed again he could know that it was going to happen because he had tuned in to a voice and made himself acquainted to a voice he was a man of prayer and so Elijah sent word to Ahab by his servant amen he says go look I like this he says this is what you say go up and say to Ahab prepare everybody say prepare the word that Elijah had for Ahab was this preparation prepare prepare thy chariot in other words Ahab you better prepare for what God is about ready to do I think the clarion cry of the prophet is good for anybody in this place or of our generation it has not changed he's still saying today prepare what prepare for what God is about to do because I already hear it and we've already seen just a little indication of it you better prepare for what God is about ready to do prepare for the miracle prepare for the healing prepare for your loved ones about ready to get saved prepare for a changing of events in your life you better prepare because God's on the verge of doing it prepare 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 and Ahab reacted. 
He got down from the mount, the Bible says. He prepared his chariot. He reacted. Here's the problem, though, with Ahab. Ahab was convinced, but he was never converted. A lot of people come and go that's convinced. God is God. What he can do is he can do, but they never convert. Agrippa was convinced, persuaded, but he never converted. A lot of people become convinced, but we need to go beyond being convinced. We need to be converted. In the last verse, I'm closing. Go on, stand with me. The last verse, verse 46 of that chapter, the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins. By this time, the clouds are dark. They're black, all right? There is a great rain. There is wind. And so, and the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, you, I don't know how far it was from Carmel to Jezreel. People that are scholars shoot it anywhere from 14 to 25 miles. That's quite a big difference. So let's just say it was several miles, at least several miles from Carmel to Jezreel. And this old prophet is kicking up his heels and running 14 to 25 miles. You better believe the Spirit of God better be upon him. <laughs> God have to be all over me, I'm telling you right now. And so we ask ourselves the question, you know, even he almost speaks in a certain way that he almost even passed up, you know, Ahab's chariot in his chariot, you know. To understand Ahab could be having some problem. It's been dry and all this rain come, mud and chariot wheels and all this matter. But anyway, you know, how in the world could a man do such a thing? Here we go. Man, he just had a great encounter with God. He had great victory. His posture was appropriate after his victory. Amen. The posture he had with God affected his posture with men. And whenever we thought he should have been celebrating, he had the right posture. Now he's celebrating. The Spirit of the Lord lands on this pup. God's answer to prayer. Let me tell you, there's some fabulous things happen that after God answers your promise. He says, I'm going to take me, you know, we've seen people take a few laps to the church. We say, I'm going to take me a 25-mile run. <laughs> Praise God. Man, the Spirit of the Lord got on him, and he started running. But understand, whenever he told Ahab, prepare your chariot, that, didn't, that preparation didn't go without touching his life as well. There was some preparation he needed to do. Because notice, the Bible says that he girded up his loins. He girded up his loins. And whenever he girded up those loins and he took that garment, he tucked it in there in his belt. He girded up. What was he doing? He's getting ready to run. Why was he getting ready to run? Because his promise, his promise was being fulfilled. <laughs> Somebody needs to start tucking their garment into their belt. <laughs> some, of the, you know, some of the church folk need to start tucking their garment in their belt and start, you know, being like an old bull and just kind of throwing some of the dirt behind their feet. Why? Because I'm getting ready to run. Why? Because God's about ready to fulfill His promise. <laughs> and honey, when the Spirit of God gets on you, there's no telling what you do. You do stuff you wouldn't otherwise. You'll run 25 miles. You'll do stuff you otherwise couldn't do when the Spirit of God gets upon you. But you've got to prepare for it right now. Right. Oh, yes. Amen prayed he prayed he prayed pray again folks pray again let's bow our heads in this place
Hallelujah. These altars are open. If anybody would like to take advantage of the altar, God, I come to you, Lord. God, I pray to you this evening, God. I pray, oh, Lord, that your word would stamp our heart and our lives. God, that we would be prayer, people of prayer, that we would pray again. God, knowing, Lord Jesus, in that conversation and that dialogue with one another, that I'm becoming more familiar with your voice and you are becoming more familiar with my voice. And so that, God, when I utter a prayer, you know, Lord Jesus, who's praying because I'm in relationship with you I can pray Lord according to your will whenever I pray the promises God that you have mentioned and spoken into my life and when I pray in Jesus name I'm making a request as an ambassador down here Lord on earth Lord God as an ambassador of Christ Jesus I pray oh Lord today God for the rain to fall send it Lord I want to make preparations now gird up my loins take away Lord any hindrances Lord God that would keep me Lord from running from going Lord from celebrating God from shouting God because the promise is around the door I pray oh God today help me Lord to keep the proper posture God in my prayer the proper posture Lord before you and after my victories knowing oh God it will help me God when things are threatening my life it will help me God whenever I come before men that I'll be able to stand and not bow to the things that they would have me bow to help me God to pray again Lord if I pray in your shut up the heaven help me to pray that you'd open the heaven help me God to hear your voice know your voice follow through with your voice not be hesitant to the call I want to prepare Lord I want to hear the voice of God clearly Lord in my life and so Lord I want you to know who I am God I want you to know me I want you to know me I want to be Lord your lamb your sheep your flock hallelujah 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we surrender, Lord Jesus, to you tonight. We surrender, Lord Jesus, to you. Hallelujah. Hear our call. Hear our cry. Let the first apostolic church, let it be known by God. Let it be known by God. And help us collectively to know you and your voice. I pray, oh Lord, we'll hear the sound before we ever see the sign. We'll hear the declaration of it before we ever see him materialize I want to know your voice he'll keep me from discouragement and frustration if I can know the word of the Lord when it comes to me hallelujah Jesus I want to pray again Lord God I want to pray again thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.